Welcome in everyone to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan and I am ready to dive into my addiction. We will get to it here right away. I've waited plenty long enough, I feel like, although I'm sure Sam and Jacob would be happy to make me wait just a little bit longer. So let's not delay, let's introduce the guys and not give them the chance. He's ready to tell you why Cam Newton is a complete moron. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, man? You know, there was a... I had heard the rumblings about how bad it was. I watched about the first 60 seconds, and I was already, you know, you're supposed to have a reaction when you watch any video on Twitter, but I started to watch. I was like, this isn't so bad. And then about the last 20 seconds, just absolute word vomit and took us back to the 1950s. He's hoping the woman who feeds Cam Newton can also feed Cam's receivers because he sure can't. Sam Black is with us. What's going on, man? Yeah, I think Cam's definitely going to be a uh... A great case for uh, traumatic brain um, disorder at the end of his career because, God, the guy just can't help but put his foot in his mouth, and it's amazing. Very sad, but amazing. What amazing. Content. I am Sean Deegan, and I'll be real. I'm already tired of talking about Cam Newton, especially knowing what we're about to do. So for those who don't know, if you're new to the podcast, you haven't uh, listened to us before or weren't with us last year, uh, one thing that is important to note about me, I have an addiction problem when it comes to the NFL draft. And this is from someone who watches exactly zero minutes of college football per season. When we get to the NFL draft, I, I, I get draft guides, I go on to mock draft simulators, and I do approximately anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 mock drafts a month. Let this, me put uh, this, let me contextualize this for people real quick. There's, you know, not to make light of any sort of addictions, but there's people that go on the show intervention. That's Sean level addiction. And then there's others where you're like, yeah, that person had, has an addiction, but they don't make the show. Sean's the type that is on the show intervention for his addiction. Basically in a nutshell. And there's been enough news and, and things going on in the NFL that we've kind of put it off. And now we're two weeks away from the draft. Uh, two weeks and what? I mean, yes, it will be almost exactly two weeks once this podcast drops. We're recording this on Tuesday, April 12th, and this will drop on the following Thursday. So we'll be about two weeks out. We haven't done a single mock draft as of yet as a show. Uh, real, real quick, why did Sean's family members just all of a sudden all pop into this Google Meets? Why, why, <laughs> why did someone just ask Sean to take a seat because we have something to discuss? Uh, this is why I've put nails and, and, and barred the door, nailed the door shut, barred it, put the dresser in front of it so they can't get to me. No one can stop me tonight. It's going to happen one way or the other. Just, I mean, I, I've kind of already said my piece on me, but for you guys who are not uh, utter savages, but, but Jacob, I know you are heavily into the draft. Sam, you, you usually start to really pick up this time of year once free agency has quieted down like a normal person would and I'm starting to get involved. What, how, how many chances have you gotten in different scenarios, mock drafts? What, where level of investment are you at this point? Sam, we'll, we'll start with you here. I'm at about 0.0001 of you. <laughs> um, in that I kind of started actually doing mock drafts today. Um, <laughs> Because it's just, I I can't become that kind of degenerate. I, I just, it's it's a problem, Sean. And I know, I know it's, 
we, we, we care about you and we just want to see you happy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I haven't, this year has been a little bit slower. Um, usually I will kind of dive in near the end of free agency and, and start looking at draft prospects. I haven't gotten into it much this year. Um, disadvantage of living in a cabin in the woods, I guess, but uh, did start a little bit today. So if we ever get monetized, we'll just, we'll invest and get you Starlink for you and the, the whole complex. But uh, we just have to find that one desperate sponsor who's willing to give us way more money than we've earned. Jacob, what about you? How invested, how, how much have you dived into the, uh, the draft season at this point? I go through phases right now. I'm in one of my not doing as much because I've realized you can only do the PFF simulator so many times and pick from 20, 20 different guys that many times and work out so many different trade scenarios for yourself. But I also really have gotten into it when the quarterbacks were the interesting thing. And this, you know, being a, not a great quarterback year, that's usually my go-to. But I'll sit there and watch a lot of the top guys out of curiosity, which of course makes no sense being on just a, you know, chief centric podcast because they're not picking the top guys. For me, it's just fun to see who it is and see what everyone else is thinking about them. And JJ says every morning he wakes up and does at least 10 mock drafts. That's because JJ's a good boy. He's a smart kid. I do. I, I will say, Jacob, this might be the year to be invested in at least some of those, maybe not the, you know, top five guys, maybe the top 15 guys, top 20 guys, just because of the Chiefs situation with the picks. For those who don't know, after the Tyreek Hill trade, they now have 12 picks in in the NFL draft this season. Uh, I think it's two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, and two in the fourth. And then they've got four picks in the seventh and no picks in five or six. So it is a year where it could there could be scenarios where they move back if there's nobody there, like like Jacob alluded to. There's this draft's kind of weird and that some of the position groups have some top tier talent and little else behind. There's some that have more depth but lack the star power, at least at least according to a lot of the analysts out there. And the quarterback position is one that somebody's gonna get pushed up because of need. But really this is maybe closer to the Geno Smith draft than it is, you know two years ago or even last year. So we'll see what, where it ends up with the Chiefs. What we thought we would do today, because we all have our guys, we all have our our wants and, and hopes for what the Chiefs will do in the draft, we thought we would run a, a two-round mock draft. No, don't do anything too crazy yet. We'll just do the first two mock two rounds. So it's four picks total. We'll use a PFF mock draft simulator. Talk about what we did. How do we feel about it? What excites us? What maybe we would like to see otherwise? And then uh, because I'm a subscriber to Kansas City Sports Network and to The Athletic, I'm able to get a hold of uh, their draft guides, Dane Brugler's The Beast, and then the KCSN draft guide. And what we're going to do is, once we've given our own opinions of, like, hey, how do you think we did, we're going to go into the actual experts who rip apart film from every possible angle and and tell you what they think of our picks what would how do you think they feel about uh you know i don't know if we moved up and got a george Karloftis or if uh, uh jameson williams fell where would they think and where would they rank that player what grade would they give that player and maybe and then have a conversation about okay how does that change our opinion if at all 
and what might we do differently next time if, if presented with a similar scenario. We also, if we have time, we'll see how this goes. This could be really short or it could end up being really long, depending on how the conversation goes. We might even go into our, our draft crushes. Uh, Jacob and I gave a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. Sam has found a couple since and, and seeing where maybe they rank in, in either one of these guides and seeing where they stack up. Uh, but let's not delay any longer. Let's go ahead and dive in. Chiefs will pick 29 and 30th in the first round. We will start there again with the PFF Mock Draft Simulator. Gentlemen, what are we hoping to come away from? Let's set the stage. What would we be an ideal scenario as it before we ever start? Set expectations will be an ideal scenario. Do you think for the Chiefs? Um, Jacob, we'll flip things and, and start with you this time. I, I just quickly want to say, I don't, I don't want to actually, you know, like completely mess up our trade. I did want to look at one trade scenario and I wanted to bring it up to you guys because I was curious what you all thought. And this is with the Saints in the 19th pick slot. And can you, can you slide on the left just down to 19? Because I want to tell our listeners who is right after 19. And I think this is more of a wide receiver scenario, you know, just depending on if there's somebody you love out there. So the teams that pick after 19, 20 is the Steelers. I think that's, I think that's a quarterback. So that, that doesn't threaten me as much. Though 21 with the Patriots, definitely looking for a wide receiver. They have not had a ton of success at drafting one. Green Bay, I don't have to tell you, that's wide receiver. Cardinals, mm, pro- probably not, but they did lose Christian Kirk. And then the Cowboys and Bills are after that. And then followed by the Titans. So what I'm thinking is this, when I've gone through this and the reason I have done it, and also Green Bay's back up at 28, so they're going to take a receiver with at least one of those. The reason I bring it up is because if you have a receiver crush that you think is going to be gone, I think this, that's the spot to trade into. Now the other part of that is, and I know that I'm getting elaborate on this, the other part of it is, what in the world are the Saints doing? I'm not sure anybody knows. And I'm not sure that really trading for 19 is a scenario that happens. That or they're just messing around with their – they were also messing around with the PFF mock draft simulator and didn't realize they accidentally sent a trade to the league because who knows what they're actually doing with their 16 and 19 pick now that they have. But I was just curious, Sean. I cannot remember the picks that were uh, – that would come back to the Chiefs. I think I traded 29 for 19, but also somehow got back the Saints' second-round pick somehow. It was something along those lines. I tried to stack second-round picks. It, it was what I liked the most out of all the scenarios that happened. But that was that was where I was at. And you know what? I don't think I actually need to see the picks necessarily, but it was interesting to see that you could trade back into the second round by also you know giving up couple of those third round picks and your first because you're not moving enough spots to crucially damage yourself so we'll see so jacob doesn't answer the question sam what about you what would you be an ideal scenario in this particular situation yeah i think there's a couple ways we could look at this draft and and this is as we kind of talked about last week this is the first year we've seen beach have just a cacophony of draft picks, just a high number that we can see him do whatever he really wants with at this point. I think with with the way our team is set up and, and kind of the cap 
somewhat hell we've been in the past couple of years. I think this is a good draft to kind of get things reset with youth. And I think utilizing the high number of specifically within the first four rounds, number of picks we have, it's going to allow for a, a kind of a, uh, easement on the cap in general. So I think with the first two picks, if, if we don't don't make the decision to trade around with those, um, getting two guys that are are your plug and play starters, getting depending on what position, because again, this is it's hard to know what's going to fall out this year. It's it's kind of a strange draft as far as every I think every mock draft I've had, it's been like the first in the top 10, the first there's at least five or six defensive ta- or defensive linemen taken. So it's, it's a very heavy defensive line draft. And if that's not actually the case, you could get some solid defensive line help in those 29, 30 picks. If they do start to fall, if people aren't as interested as, as what it shows. Um, but if they do run quick, you're going to be hunting for that later in the draft, I think. So I think with mainly this draft is, I think could be the restart of the cap situation for us and getting, considerable depth not only in starters but just your kind of your backups your your contributing guys at a much lower price than what we've had to pay some of the what we've had to and what we will likely have to pay if we want to keep some of the younger guys we have on the roster that aren't maybe as performing as much as we'd like yeah i'm with you on 29 30 to start here i would love it if they could get a wide receiver and an edge at that spot if one of those positions is gone, corner is like the, a close third draft wish. So it would, I'd be fine with that. To Jacob's point about the teams ahead of the Chiefs, there are a lot of teams that need a receiver. So there, I could see a situation where there's a big run and when the actual NFL draft comes and the Chiefs are left with you know, maybe, maybe some real help at edge um, and instead of receiver, maybe a corner. We'll see what happens. But for now, Let's play pretend, folks, and indulge in uh, all of my addictions uh, with the NFL draft. We're going to start this draft. I've got it set to a fast speed, so we shouldn't have to wait too long to get to 2930. Jacob, if you like, once this gets done, I looked at it. didn't have 19 as a trade option uh, on this particular one. So we can go back in and see what maybe trading up would look like and what you'd have to give up. So we're we make the, our pick, Sean, because I think I see my guy already. Can we go back up and just kind of do what what the draft's shaking out to be? Yeah, for just sure. Kind of get a like, not even run down every pick, but just kind of some of the named guys, because I know Jacob's going to be very sad with one, depending on where he went. Right. No, I think I know who you're talking about. So some of the names that you'd like to see with the Chiefs uh, at number ten, the Jets took Garrett Wilson. He's by a lot of people's consensus the number one guy. Uh, at wide receiver now that when you're talking about when you factor in injuries for George Pickens and Jamison Williams, uh, Jacob's guy, George Karloftis goes at 11 to the uh, uh, Washington. What are they? The commanders now almost called the football team again, the Washington commanders. Uh, so that dream get dashed. Uh, Drake London goes to 12. He's another guy that a lot of chiefs guys hope my draft crush. Jamison Williams goes at 16 to the saints. Uh, scrolling down a little further, Chris Olave, who's a guy that is being talked a lot about with Green Bay, uh, goes at number 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Traylon Burks is one that I know we all like uh, at 25 to the Bills. So you're kind of left at this point with a major run on receivers. 
And kind of the situation I mentioned where if there's a run on receivers, maybe <laughs> the move is to go with edge and corner. On the board right now, according to PFF's rankings, uh, Sam Howe is the top-ranked uh, prospect quarterback out of North Carolina. Chiefs obviously aren't going for that. Safety, Lewis Seen, or is it Seen or Seen? Uh, sign or Seen A? I imagine Seen. We'll say Seen. Uh, safety out of Georgia. Uh, Kair Elam, cornerback out of Florida. It's another name I'm on. Those are kind of your top three. If you go down a little further, the next edge and wide receiver on the board are Boye Mafe and Sky Moore. Sky Moore, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Boye Mafe, edge out of Minnesota. So, gents, uh, Samuel, I'll give you the floor first. Where would you go in this situation? Yeah, so if we do get to um, talking about draft crushes, this is probably going to tip my hand a little bit. But uh, Kyra Elam is at that position, I think, a steal for what he everything I've watched of him. He looks he's very almost uh, Sneed-esque, but faster. And he's long. He's got what I've seen, really good ball skills. And I think this is kind of what I thought of every draft I've done. And again, I haven't done near as many as Sean. So um, he probably has a database of how these are going to fall out. Once the first pick goes, he can probably tell you exactly how the draft is going to fall. It seemed like a lot of the, at this position at 29, cornerback seems to be where you're getting the best value of what falls out. And I think he's one that, for me, of what I've done, if he falls down there, it's been maybe one every five drafts I've done that he'll come out. And I think it's kind of a steal at that point because it is a need of ours. It's a, I think, yes, we would love an edge. We would love a wide receiver, but there's no doubt that cornerback is still a massive hole on the defense at this point, one that we haven't addressed at all. Um, we've seen them do work on wide receiver. We've seen, we haven't seen a whole lot on defensive line yet, but I think there's still options out there. There's really nothing besides Gilmore um, that we could bring in at the corner and, and feel comfortable. I think. Jacob, how about you? Are you in lockstep with Sam or would you go a different direction here at 29? I, this is, this is going to be weird, but I, uh, I almost a hundred percent agree with Sam that, <laughs> Most of the times, it does kind of shake out that corner is kind of the best value here. But you're seeing why, like I said, night. If you have a receiver crush, you have to go up to nineteen. I mean, that's just un, unless you know it's a specific guy that's fallen into like the twenty-five-ish range. But again, another thing to factor in is that, and I know that I just will not drop this trading up scenario, but. Another thing to factor in is, do you think the Bills would trade to the Chiefs? I'll answer no. Do you think the Titans would trade to the Chiefs? No. Do you think the Bucks would trade to the Chiefs? Even though they're on the other side, I don't think they would. I don't think the Packers would either because I think all these teams view the Chiefs as a direct threat. So it is interesting, you know, just seeing who's right in front of the Chiefs because I don't think you have trade partners. But anyway, yes, also corner because there's – a couple names I think will slip just a little bit further down. To your point, to back up your point, Jacob, the other reason I don't think a lot of these teams would trade with the Chiefs is a lot of them have the same needs. Like wide receiver and edge are Green Bay's needs. Wide receiver and, and edge are, are probably the Bills. Well, maybe not edge, but wide receiver is definitely a Bills need. 
wide receiver is a, a need with the Titans. You know, they went and traded for Robert Woods, but he's coming off an ACL and he's 30 years old. And there's a lot to factor. So I'm with you. I think I would go corner here. So we'll go ahead and take Kyer Elam at 29. And just to further your point, Sean, I think every, oh my, it's not every team. Most teams need an edge or receiver because those are the guys that get really expensive, but also positions teams view sometimes as kind of expendable, you know, based on where the cost gets to. Yeah, it's a weird thing where it's like these positions are vital, but you also know you have kind of a finite window where before you have to make a decision on whether or not it's worth paying them elite money. We've seen what happens when the Chiefs give up draft capital and immediately have to pay someone who maybe doesn't perform to that. So it's a it's a dicey situation. So this is this is where these drafts get kind of weird for me because whereas in the second round the picks are kind of spaced out and the situations can kind of change for the Chiefs. Your board is pretty much the same right now. It's the exact same as it was right now because you have back-to-back picks. So at this point, you're probably looking at, you know, safety is an option. It's maybe not the most desperate point of need, but I've heard some draft people talk about how it's probably the best value in terms of top-end talent. You're looking, but if you were looking for wide receiver or edge, you're probably looking at guys that are technically second round values they'll get pushed up into the first round because of traits um athletic traits or just out of need so we'll flip things here jacob and we'll start with you where would you go if you get Kyrie elam at corner and then immediately turn around and pick at 30. because this is an intervention for sean i think you're supposed to occasionally tell them what they want to hear yeah i see an edge here that might interest some people oh do you oh be darn look at that Will you scroll just a little bit further? Yeah, I'm yeah. seeing Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, Daxon Hill out of Michigan, Nick Benito from the edge from Oklahoma, who Charles Goldman very astutely told me, yeah, not a Steve Spagnola edge. He is like the carbon copy of Hassan Reddick after watching. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense why they wouldn't go after him. Uh, a name that I really like, and I'm, I always try to trade down to get him, is the Arnold Evick. Ikade from Penn State. I've I've said he remind he reminds me of D Ford in the sense of the style of pass rusher he is, but he does seem to be able to set an edge better than D Ford ever did. Yeah, when you're two fifty and not two thirty soaking wet, that'll help out a lot. <laughs> uh, looking at PFF's height and weight here. And so another thing at this point that I see on this board is that we still have a lot of the top quarterback names. And this is another reason I think this is a prime spot to trade down out of because there is somebody that's going to want. So Desmond Ritter is still available. We've seen Matt Coral, um, UNC's quarterback, Sam Howell, right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. He's on the very top of our board. And that's why I think this is prime trade down territory. And I know we're not trading this round, but I, I think I am on this one. I'd be going edge because there are some interesting names here. Sam, are you with Jacob on this one, or would you maybe look to to fill in another like safety slot corner role with like a Daxon Hill or a Lewis scene? Look at Sean just look at Sean just beating around the bush like Hey man, he, he I know that other position. people have differing opinions and whether or not I think are wrong are irrelevant. I I I have blinders on with this pick. So I need <laughs> other people to fill me with knowledge of the outside world and other opinions. This is where Sean's encyclopedic knowledge of how drafts drafts fall out on this system probably work to his advantage but i'm not i'm honestly not 
crazy in love with any of these players at this point, just because I Sky Moore, and please correct me, I don't see what is so special about him. Do you, have you guys watched anything on him? Yes, I have Living watched things. a good chunk of it now. He's Albert Wilson. I, that's, I know he he doesn't pop off the screen to me because he's playing in a low con or a, a low level college in D is Western Michigan D one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I can't remember what level oh, they are. Check if they're D one, but he he looks like I mean he doesn't have explosive speed. I don't I don't see the appeal of having him that high up. So I. I I would love to have a wide receiver at this pick, but he's just, there's no one that is interesting to me. I I think if you're going to stay at his edge at this point, but this is a prime one too, because I think you start to see a big drop off in not talent, but, but you start to see where everyone now is a second and third round pick at this point. And if people are interested in in going up and getting that quarterback or, or are in love, you've got a safety who, it's not a huge need for us, I don't think, as much. Um, if they're not in love with Thornhill, the the safety from Georgia could be a selection this year. But I don't think they're probably going to try to waste waste it on that this year. So I think it's either edge or you you look for a trade partner to trade back and and get more coll- uh, capital within that second to high third round position. The the issue with some of the edges that fall within this range that I've seen, they're not pass rush specialists as much. There's one, um, the guy from Michigan, Nico has, Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's really the only one I've seen that. Yeah. Nick, Nick, um, he's the only one or Oklahoma. Is it, isn't there one Mm -hmm. from Michigan? Obajo has been falling to this point. Oh yeah, David Oba- Ojabo. Okay, right? that's, he went that's what I was looking at. Um, and to remind, and just to quickly remind but, people on him, he tore his ACL in the Achilles. car at his pro day or Achilles yeah. at the pro day. So he will be out until this time next year. Yeah, him um, and then that uh, yeah Nick Benito from Oklahoma look like the two guys that in that range have the pass kind of more pass rush special ability or special ability. That's a great word. The speciality of pass rushing. A lot of the other guys are more, ed- they don't look, they look more edge setting, um, more three down territory ends. But I think after we saw the impact that Melvin Ingram, a pu- kind of pure pass rusher has at this point, I'm that's what I'm interested in. in but yeah, I think if you can't blame them for going for if uh, Boye Mafe is the pick there, it's not a negative one just because it is, again, a point of need um, or another end at that point. So, yeah, if, if you're staying, it's a pick at end with what fell out here. But I would personally try to trade back if you can get more second to third round capital. And more on that with Sam, it's, you know, your next pick is 50. So 20 guys are going to disappear. If you see, you know, if you see – four guys you like right here you you trade down just 10 picks and you're like well we hope one of those guys is still there to answer your question earlier sam uh western michigan is a division one school uh AA. they are they are not playing the ncaa but they play in the uh powerhouse that is the mid-american conference so this is all on google somebody feel free to correct me if i'm wrong but that's that's what i'm seeing here i won't waste too much more uh, and, and he won't reiterate too much what you said. I, I will say I'm a Boye Mafe fan. Uh, he The two negatives on him, I mean, to be perfectly honest, he is raw. Like He's more raw than some of these guys that 
like you said, Sam, are complete three down guys or maybe more developed as pass rush specialists. But and he is older. Like he he'll be I think twenty he'll be almost twenty four by the time the season starts. So he's an older prospect. So you're basically looking at the five year contract and then probably looking to move on if he's a hit. Um, you're probably not going to give him a another five year deal unless he's just blowing it up and you can structure it some way that you can get out after like two or three. But all that being said, when I watched his film. The the explosivity, his straight line speed, the ability to bend on the edge, it's just stuff the Chiefs don't have. You know, they're on top of being incredibly strong and physical, uh, being able to bring a quarterback down with one arm while he's getting held, um, being able to beat guys off the line with his feet, like set them up like a wide receiver and then beat them to the inside without ever having to make contact. Uh, all of that is there with him. It's just refining it now and knowing that you may not get. 10 years out of him, you might get seven uh, with, with Boye Mafe. So he would be my pick. No my feedback to you. Yeah, let's let's go for Boye Mafe. My feedback would be to anybody that hasn't watched him. It's like his highlights look incredible. You see a little bit of everything. It's when you do full film study where you're like, what are you doing? Like yeah. Sometimes you're just standing there like, you realize yeah, he, the play started, right? He definitely doesn't always have a plan. And I think I think the guy – that you're hoping that you can comp him to is like a Jason Oway from last year, where you look at it on film and you're like, all oh, the athleticism there, where are the sack numbers? And then he comes in and, and makes an impact in the NFL once he gets up, gets into that coaching, once he gets into that development. And I think that's what you're hoping for with Boye Mafe is a guy with a lot of athletic upside and can harness it. All right, so we have now entered the second round. At pick 50, just real quickly here, a couple of guys that might have been uh, picks for the Chiefs. Daxton Hill is one that I've heard talked a lot about with, with the Chiefs, a guy who can play a slot corner slash safety role. Maybe not exactly a tired Matthew role, but something of that ilk. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti out of Penn State goes at 39 to the Chicago Bears, so there's one of your edge guys that I know we all like um, going ahead. Um, a guy that I'd kill to have in Kansas City, George Pickens, goes at 45 uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. That's interesting when, since they've got Rashad Bateman and uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown there already. Those are some names I, I think I would like. And then uh, Nick Benito goes, uh, the edge we mentioned out of Oklahoma, to the Minnesota Vikings. So those are some of the guys that I know we all like or could be good fits with the Chiefs. Going ahead of them to where now we stand at 15. We're looking at where the value, at least according to PFF's board, may be in linebacker with guys like Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, who is kind of a traditional Sam linebacker with a, with a lot of athletic upside. Um, you've got Brian Osamoa, uh, might be more, I don't know as much about him, but I've heard lots of good things. Looks like he's a little bit smaller at 226, according to PFF here. A couple of maybe more developmental edge guys like Kingsley Enigbare, I think is how you say it, Edge out of South Carolina. And then a guy I know a little bit more about with Drake Jackson um, out of USC, another Edge, maybe more prototypical power Edge setter, kind of like you were talking about, Sam, where he's maybe not a pass rush specialist, but can get you pass rush produ production while setting an Edge in the run. Kind of um, Mike Dana-esque, maybe <clears throat> like a that kind of mold where 
Yeah, maybe more athletic. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. More athletic Mike Dana, where he's not traditionally – he gets pressure by just being persistent and kind of driving people back, not as much just pure beating people off the edge. So seeing what's on the board currently, and I can scroll down if need be, who can you look at our wide receiver guys room? Yeah, that's what I was going to just move to wide receiver. And we're at 50. Next pick is 62. So yes. 12 more spots. So if we look at wide receiver, you're looking at Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama, uh, Justin Ross, the guy who probably would have been drafted a whole lot higher if not for his injury history, wide receiver out of Clemson, a guy who's getting a ton of first round play in Christian Watson, I think mostly because of his athletic testing at the Combine uh, to North Dakota State, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, Coleo Shakir out of Boise State, and John Mechie out of Alabama are your top guys at wide receiver right now. Who I, I've i liked to go with in this area based on you know what previously has happened. We've taken a corner. We've taken an edge. At this point, I do like to look at a pass catcher so the two guys I've always been looking for in this spot is Christian Watson. He's he's an interesting one coming from North Dakota State who basically just run the ball. He's he's anywhere between Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and let's go crazy and just say Jamar Chase. But it's just he has that kind of speed that you're like, how much does this translate? Does he look that much faster because he's playing at FCS, so he's he's definitely one that people are timid on because of that. And then the other one is um, Trey McBride, the tight end from Colorado State. Just a very smooth catcher of the football. Kind of, I guess, the comp of the smooth catching <clears throat> of the football would be like, you know, Sammy Watkins just kind of absor- absorbed the ball when it came to him. That's what this guy catches like. Not that he has any other skills like that, but as a tight end, it was impressive to see him doing those types of things. So I, I've got to throw this out for you guys. So go back to just everybody, because I think I saw him, and it's an interesting point at this player at this point. Abraham Lucas, tackle out of Washington mm. State. Is this a point where are we worried um, about Lucas Niang? And if a tackle that is, again, he's fallen right in that he's ranked, PFF have him ranked 50th. So right exactly where we're looking to pick. But he's one that, again, there's times where he's gone within the first, like almost first round at times, depending on how he how it runs again. Is that a, is that a value pick? Because I, I can easily look at what's available at this point and not really be in love with any of it. I could make a case for, honestly, even a linebacker at this point where, yeah, it may seem as a redundancy since we got Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, but if you're getting a higher value, this is where that best player available versus need comes into play. Um, Because I wouldn't say the linebacker is a need at all, really, but this board showing that the two best players available right now are linebacker. I would say tackle is not as imminent as need of wide receiver, but I would say Abraham Lucas is a higher value pick at that point than any of the wide receivers. Cause I think we can get them in with our second, second round pick at that point with the wide receivers that are left on the board. I want some feedback to you, Sam. I have also considered him a lot in this spot too. I'm taking him a couple times and to go further on your idea of, you know, what about Lucas Niang's health? 
I've been saying all offseason that I've even been like, what about Orlando Brown's contract situation? Because I do think tackle is kind of a finicky spot in a way for them right now. And so I'm okay with going tackle in this position. And it's one more reason I love trading down one of those first round picks, just depending on how the draft falls, because then you can get into this area and you can go with, you know, like, Hey, if we take a tackle here and we take a wide receiver, no problem. Cause we got two guys that we think have great value here. And we don't feel like we had to do choose one or the other. Yeah. I will throw my two cents in here. Like it's, it's a weird position where wide receiver might be too early linebacker like you said Sam might be a little redundant at this point and I don't see a ton of value outside of edge otherwise and I'd find doubling up on edge because I think the Chiefs could use it but to your point uh, and to your point Jacob I think tacky's a tackle is a sneaky need at this point so we don't know what's going to happen with Atlanta Brown Jr. We kept saying all last year, again, a very different situation, but one we I think we were probably equally as confident in initially was Tyron Matthews going to sign an extension. And now it's very clear he isn't going to re-sign with the team at this point. There's just no way. Price would have to get obscenely low. So if we're all in agreement, I'd be down to take a tackle right here and, and hope one of those last five receivers falls to you at 62. So we'll take Abraham Lucas tackle out of Washington State. Uh, our last pick for this at this particular exercise at 62 and kind of a similar initial board where linebacker is, is kind of the top pick available. There's some, there's a little edge depth. Let's go to wide receiver tab. Christian Watson did go at 59 Cameron. Uh, so that's one of the, the deep speed threat that maybe you're hoping would fall goes just ahead of you. Uh, Cam Thomas uh, edge out of San Diego state uh, goes right before us at 61 to the San Francisco 49ers. So let's see what wide receivers are left. Looks like Jalen Tolbert, Justin Ross, Alec Pierce, Khalil Shakir, and John Mechie. So you really have most, and the only one you missed out on is Christian Watson. So this really, to me, might be your best case scenario if you do take a tackle at 50. Um, any one of these guys jump out to you as one that you might want to take a swing on? Is this the entire board, or this is just... I just switched to wide receiver so you can see the pass catchers one more time. I can absolutely switch back. My guy, guy. Trey McBride, still there. And and I think the only reason I consider him is just because it's like, I I guess I'm not even viewing him as tight end. I'm viewing him as pass catcher. Mm -hmm. Also, Andy Reid has proven that you can never have too many tight ends. It's not something that they view as like, all right, once you got two, you're good. They continuously are bringing back Blake Bell. And I know they have him for another year. And I know they drafted Noah Gray just last year. But I still think it's Andy Reid. You can never have enough tight ends. But but I do think at this point you do need to look pass catcher. Is the word I'm just going to keep using. Sam, how about you? Are, you? are you thinking a receiver as well, whether that's tight end or wide receiver? Or is there a different route you'd go at this point? I think at this point – Jacob's right. Pat, pass catcher specifically is is where we're needing to or should be where we're focusing. Again, not not in love with any of the guys that fall out there. Um, Justin Ross is kind of an interesting one. Not as much production, I think, as as you would like to see because he is a I mean prototypical size guy, six four, 
200 pounds, a little light, kind of slight frame. The Khalil Shakir is actually one that interests me quite a bit. Not super fast. He's not what I've watched of him again and, and kind of they haven't gone super degen like Sean. He has almost the the Travis Kelsey kind of shake to a point. Not not nearly to the extent, and he's faster than Kelsey, I think. But that's kind of what he reminds me of, where he has he's a deep ball threat without being a deep ball threat, if that makes sense. He's not your prototypical just burn everyone off the line, but he just is kind of shifty um, and just kind of a sure-handed player. So, and again, that's he's another slot at this point. That that's that's the problem is I think everyone of what I've watched, a lot of these guys fall within the same position that you're looking at Juju playing. I think. So I, I think, again, I don't know much about the um, tight end that Jacob was talking about. So it's for me, Jalen Tol- Tol- uh, Tolbert is your burner. Um, he is your let's go deep. And if that's what they're trying to replace, even though they got MVS, that's your route there. So I guess this is where it comes down to what you're looking at bringing in at pass catcher, what kind of pass catcher you want. Because I think you have a little bit of everything within that. Um, or, or you could get a guy that could fill any of these roles, just not at the high level that I think we'd be dreaming of, but does give you an option at that point. I don't have a strong feeling neither here nor there with any of these guys, but I do think it is pass catcher. Here's what I would say. I think Khalil Shakir might be your safest pick here because, like you said, he's just kind of reliable. He does profile more as a slot explosive out of cuts is maybe how I describe it without having superior deep speed. I think if you wanted to take a real swing on upside, Alec Pierce is your guy. His athletic profile is crazy at 6'3", 200 some pounds, 210. What do they have listed at here? Uh, 211. 6'3", 211. He's got a little bit of everything you want athletically. It's just... Does he harness it all? Again, and that's kind of what you're looking at with these kind of guys in the second and third round. They're guys who have specific skill sets or they're guys who have a lot of upside and it's just a matter of whether they work. I think if he was healthy, Justin Ross is your no-brainer here. But isn't he? I think he's the receiver that just had spinal fusion surgery and then played all last year with a broken bone in his foot. Let me double-check real quick, but I'm pretty sure he's that guy. Are you sure you're not talking about Tony Moyaki? <laughs> yeah, so basically, what, sure. of, of how you've described this, Sean, we're going to in reality draft Alec Pierce because that's what Brett Beach does. Mm. Is the highest? I mean, that at this position, at low or the low late second round pick, historically, Beach has drafted the project guys. This is where we get the guys that may not be elite starters right away, but have all the upside in the world, and we've seen. Some pay out, some not. It's, Sam, you're looking for the name Joshua Kando. Yeah. Like all these guys that have lots of potential coming out of college, but didn't have enough to justify being within that high range pick. This is right around where Beach usually takes that gamble on these guys. Maybe not necessarily this high on second, usually into the, into the third, but uh, kind of right in that range. Sam, you're, 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 they call it the third round. What you just described is called the third round of the NFL draft. I mean, he drafted McCole Hardman in the second and moved up to get him. So yeah. he'll draft athletic traits. And, yes, to, to confirm, 
Um, this is actually from uh, SI.com on their Clemson page. Justin Ross is the receiver who had surgery to repair had, uh, uh, his spine. He had congenital fusion in his spine. Um, so he had to have surgery to fix that. Um, somebody's going to tell me that that's the actual procedure, not the injury. And they'll be right because I don't know anything about all that. And then this past season had also, spinal fusion was the a broken bone in his foot. I say, yeah, the spinal fusion is the operation. But uh, just a quick note. I don't want to pick Justin Ross definitely now because on his I'm just looking at his ESPN stats page, his status again. This is the off season. Status doubtful. <laughs> that right there told me everything right I need to know. What's he doubtful for the draft? Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to make an executive decision. We'll take Alec Pierce. Profiles. His size is is great and it fits more with what they've been doing this offseason and getting bigger receivers so that might be i think that'll be the guy so we took kair elam at 29 boy mafe at 30 abraham lucas at 50 and alec pierce at 62 so before we dive into the guys just real quickly here didn't have to be super long but give me how you're feeling about what we did jacob start with you how do you feel about the guys we got where we got them i would say it's an okay draft. Like I'm not madly in love, but that's how it goes. Anytime you don't get to pick the guys you want or your guys don't fall to you. So I think that's why I'm saying just, it's okay. I mean, like I'd be happy if this was real life. Sam, how about you? Are you feeling good with what we got, where we got them or you, you feel like there's something left to be desired? No, I, I'm not upset at all within this draft. I think the the one thing that this draft shows us is, we got, I think if you fell out with those two first round picks, you're still pretty happy. But without trading back, you can see kind of where we get in an odd situation, an odd position where a lot of the guys that aren't quite good enough to be at that 30 pick, quasi aren't good enough to be at the 30 pick, you feel like you're overdrafting at 30 are gone by the time you hit 50. So it, you miss out on a lot of the talent that you're like, I don't know, it's the dice roll. It'd be great if we got him at 40. But at third, at 10 picks before. So, yeah, this is this is the kind of draft you look at and you're like, maybe that 30th pick would have been a good one to trade back out of after you got a starting corner. And then you could kind of have an adjustment because where I think we talked about Abraham Lincoln or Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lucas being a solid pick. Abraham Lincoln is always a solid pick. Just Cam Newton should probably listen to him talk a little bit and maybe change his mind on different topics. But um, uh, actually, I, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, probably. I, I, I he had, doesn't have everything together between the ears. Get him a hat. They have the, great talks about the problem. Is this is just like we cringed at that, but that is the dad joke. Like Jacob has now started to evolve, and the dad jokes are now just there they're not even trying anymore it's just that's just how his brain works now uh um, you guys have barely adopted the dad joke you were you literally born into it yeah um uh, but no i think like i said abraham lucas he he'd be a solid pick there but it is kind of one of those like like they graded it out as a c and that they grade that out based off positional need i think for the team by team basis not necessarily the player or they take a lot of that into account um, how they grade, but it is kind of one of those where like, it's not an exciting pick, but I think it'd be a solid one. Yeah, I agree with all the things you said. I'd be happy if this happened. 
and I'd be thrilled if developmentally Alec Pierce was a stud. But and I would be good with this. I wouldn't be like jumping off the walls with this. So, question to you boys: Which draft guide do we want to start with? We want to go to the the master himself with Dane Brugler. Do we want to start with the the addicts that are the guys at the KCSN draft guide? Where do we want to start to come to find out what the actual experts think of our our draft here? You're the expert, Sean. Sure. <laughs> sure, that's my answer. Sure. All right, we'll start with the athletic. We'll go with Dane Brugler, the man who. Uh, I just want to make sure that we're starting with Abraham Lincoln's right up first. <laughs> Great size, limited athleticism. <laughs> so oh, a six-five frame. He would have been frame. an excellent tight end. <laughs> Not likely to put on mass. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna do a control. Is he pad. the defensive tight end then? Was oh, that Abraham Lincoln's position? A hundred percent. He's a little thin. A little thin. All right, I'm gonna do a search. Out of the 288 pages of this draft guide, because Dane Brugler is a sick, sick man. Kair Elam. Da, da, da. So he gives his whole two paragraphs of a background, because that's what Dane does. He's, he's a wizard at this. Uh, gives all of his combine numbers. So the 439 at the, the combine, 20 yard uh, split and 10 yard split, all that good stuff. Did his vertical jump at the pro day, 37 and a half inches. Short shuttle was 6.98. Free cone, 4.21. A lot of good stuff. Bench press, 10 reps. So decent. Nothing crazy. Decent for sure. Strengths, just a couple. Big athlete with ideal build for position. Smooth strider, controlled in his turn and run to carry speed vertically. Keeps his upper and lower body synchronized. Uh, has play strength, reroute receivers at the line of scrimmage, and above average ball skills, to your point, Sam, and aggressively plays through the hands of receivers. Weaknesses, lacks twitch. Likes quick twitch in his transitions, adequate speed to stay on top of routes, but doesn't always play as fast as timed. He needs to be more controlled with his jam to connect and not surrender inside position, and doesn't always trust play indicators, and his processing must improve. Again, there's much, much more in here than just that, but just to give you an idea. Dane Brugler, his summary says, Overall, Elam needs to tidy up his timing and processing issues, but he is a good-sized athlete with natural cover talent and NFL-ready intangibles. With his physicality for press man, he compares favorably to Tampa Bay's Carlton Davis when he was coming out of Auburn. Jacobs already dead inside. Grade second round, number 45 overall is where Dane Brugler would have Kyrie Elam listed. So well, hopefully the Chiefs don't play the Dolphins this year. And <laughs> if so, I, Tyra that Jones actually makes me more excited about Kyrie Elam, that write-up, even though it's a second round grade. A lot of the traits that he talks about make me happier what about you guys jacob i'll start with you does the comp to carlton davis make your skin crawl or are you good with it as long as you're not putting him on tyree kill it crushed my soul <laughs> but no i i don't agree 100 percent with it because i've liked what i've seen from Kyrie elam better than what i see from carlton davis and sam what about you does that change how you feel about the pick at all or is that just confirm yep that would be my guy at 29 based on everything that's written up there I think he's yeah. I, I really like what I've what I've watched of him again. Very limited, but it, again, my my comp is and it's it's interesting because like when I watched him, he looked. I think he's got a different running style, and that's why he looked a little faster than uh, Sneed, uh, Legere Sneed. But I think they're about the same speed in reality. I pulled him up just to see what their combine uh, comparisons are, like what they did. They're the same person basically. Elam's an inch taller. They're one pound apart as far as weight. 
They both ran, or as of combine, they ran. Um, Sneed was 0.02 faster in the 40 yard dash, like almost identical as far as combine results. And I, I that's what I saw in the field was what I thought was a faster Sneed. Maybe it was just because I was watching college kids and not what Sneed does in the NFL is a right. very big thing. So I, I'm on board with that pick after that. So next up at 30 was Boye Mafe. Listed at 6'3", 261 pounds at the combine, ran a 4.53, 40, uh, 10.5 broad jump, 38-inch vertical. Actually improved 3.5 inches at his pro day to 41.5. Had a 4.46 short shuttle, 3.7, or excesme, 7.24 combine, or three-cone drill. God help me. And a 21 uh, reps on the bench. A uh, couple of strengths, good-looking frame with long arms and sculpted muscle, pounces out of his stance with big-time explosiveness in his lower body, um, strong arc acceleration, loose-jointed body with fluid footwork and hips, can knock away the ball, knock away the blocker's arm and treat it like a turnstile. Weaknesses, not a consistent edge setter or a point-of-attack technician. I was talking about earlier with maybe not always having a plan. Eager hands, but needs to keep them tight and on time can be outflanked or bullied by powerful offensive tackles, inconsistent reaction time at the snap and backfield vision. Uh, Dane Brugler, again, much, much more, but his summary is overall Boye Mafe, or overall Mafe isn't yet the sum of his parts and requires further schooling as a run defender, but he can get after the passer with natural explosion in his lower body, hips, and hands. He projects as a sub-package NFL rusher with starting potential as he continues to be coached up. Grade again, second round at number 48 overall. So he actually has, in terms of like round, Kair and Boye pretty close together. So all that kind of fits what I, the limited stuff I've seen compared to what obviously Dane Brugler has done. He's all the athleticism, just what can you, what can you make out of it? Sam will flip things. How do you feel about Boye after hearing Dane Brugler's summary of him? Yeah, it's, I mean, definition-wise, it sounds like exactly what you're looking for in, in a developmental pass rusher. I think the thing that when you listen to the draft guides and, and the way Sean – or uh, where he's ranking these players, it kind of confirms that – I really wish I remember who to, to uh, give credit to, to saying this, but there was something on Fox Sports Radio where they were talking about uh, there really are 15 first-round picks typically within 10 to 15 first-round picks, and the rest are below that. I, I would imagine if you – I'm sure Sean has read through the entire draft guide before he goes to bed every night. I'm sure Lauren just loves it. It's probably her favorite thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> I imagine Same a lot of the guys that are going to be drafted within the first round probably receive second-round rankings from mo- a lot of draft scout or scouts and, and, and uh, analyst guys just because – they have to be draft. Somebody has to be drafted in the first round, even if they're not first round talent. Same. So the quicker the answer is, second round talent doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing to take him in the first. Sam, to quickly answer your question, Lauren does love it because Sean's been sleeping in the guest room for weeks because he keeps turning the lamp on to read the the draft guide. So she's, she's loving. She's just sleeping with the puppy now. She the most patient wife in the world. Um, let's move to Abraham Lucas here. Do I not get opinions on your guy? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> While I'm looking that up, please give me your thoughts on Boye Mafe, Jacob. 
uh, you're treating me like Lauren I feel treats you at this point. Just yep, it's just yeah, like you're there. Along. Go ahead, do what you yeah. gonna do. Uh, <laughs> you watched him versus Nebraska, didn't you, Moye Mafe? This is when you fell for him. That definitely didn't hurt. <laughs> That's what I'm watching right now because I'm trying to just get more of a complete picture. I, I will say to everyone, don't fall for the Nebraska offensive line. Uh, I hope there's a Nebraska football fan out there who listens to us. Nebraska's offensive line is maybe one of the worst ones I've ever seen in a couple of years as far as Division One. But you know, I, I still just feel the same. I, and I think that's what that comp said was flashes at times, but just not consistent. All right, let's move to Abraham Lucas before I can get off my boy Mafe soapbox here. Gives his comps for – or gives his – Numbers here from the combine, 4.9240, 27-inch vertical jump improved at his pro day by 2 inches. Broad jump was 8 feet 11 inches at the combine, 9 feet 5 inches at his pro day. Short shuttle at the combine, 4.4 seconds, 3 cones, 7.25, and 24 reps on the bench. Strengths, wide, massive frame with adequate length and mass, smooth and balanced in his lateral stride, displays above average body, and body control and lower body quickness for a player his size. Absorb contact well to anchor at contact and patient and relax prior to his punch. Weaknesses. Played in a pass-happy scheme at WSU with limited run blocking reps on his film. Remind you anybody? Not explosive or rangy when executing pulls or climbs. Late with his hands and adjustments in the run game, especially on the move. Gets top-heavy in his movements, leading to oversetting versus speed. His summary here, overall, Lucas is, is not an explosive mover, and his hand exchange must improve versus NFL-level competition, but he has massive frame and the balanced athleticism to keep his man blocked. He projects as a low-ceiling starting right tackle in the NFL, grade third round, number 79 overall. We'll flip things, Jacob, after hearing, again, a lot more in there, just giving you some highlights. Um, how do you feel about Lucas after hearing the write-up? Did you just read Eric Fisher's draft profile? I'm just going to say. Literally, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with Eric Fisher. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Sam, go right ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just a slightly less developed Eric Fisher coming out of college, is what you just said. Yeah. Sam, in your defense, I was searching up to see how big Abraham Lucas was. Abraham Lincoln was the first suggestion. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and they're they're probably eight. about the same size. I think Abraham Lucas probably has a few more pounds on him, but as far as height wise, they're both about six six. So, mm-hmm. yep, six six. Uh, the weight might be the big differential. Three fifteen. Yeah, maybe two of Abraham the, Lincoln. The, you know. What was Abraham? What was Abraham Lincoln's three hand three cone shuttle time? <laughs> Stiff hips, so probably not great, but you know, made up for it. Situational awareness was not great. He didn't have great. He he would never be good at picking up blocks. Like, let's be honest. According to enotes.com, you know who who knows how valid that is. Abraham was six foot four and one hundred eighty pounds. Oh my god! Oh my god! All right, last guy, Alec Pierce, six three two eleven, on the right up here. 4.4140 time, 
a 40 and a half inch vertical, a 10 foot nine inch broad jump, 4.28 short shuttle, which he did improve on to 4.2 flat at his pro day. It was like the one thing he actually did at his pro day other than measure in. He also had a 7.13 second three cone drill. Strength stall, tall, angular frame, swift strider, and accelerates quickly to stack corners vertically. Accomplished prep high jumper and volleyball player with above average high pointing and leaping skills. Tracks football naturally down the field. The game appears to slow down for him at the catch point, allowing him to make graceful adjustments on the ball. Weaknesses runs a basic, ran a basic route tree in college. Has worked hard to add good weight, but has a lean frame and might be near tapped out. Average play strength and will have trouble versus physical cornerbacks. Will use his length too liberally at times when attempting to separate at the top of his routes. Summary. Overall, Pierce is still adding branches to his route tree, but he is a pass-catching weapon who is at his best vertically. With his springy athleticism and ball-tracking skills, he can be a down-the-road starter. Grade third round, number 89 overall. Hearing the numbers, the combine, the write-up, Sam, how do you feel about Alec Pierce, where we got him? Again, I think he's probably... I viewed a lot of the guys that we had available at that pick on on our draft as probably a reach at that point. I think you'd be more comfortable getting any of those guys within the third round. I think you'd be happy with all of them in the third round. But this is where you do you do run the risk of reaching to fill a need. Um, we kind of all, as we talked about, looked at it as okay. The, we have to get a pass catcher at some point in here, and obviously, since we were only doing the first two rounds, we we were trying to fill that spot. Um, but I think if, if you would have gotten him in the third round, you're probably a little happier, but because it's a need for us, it's not the most, it's not the worst pick in the world for me, I guess. Jacob, where do you stand with Sam or do you have different feelings about it? So I had to go look up Alec Pierce's size again. I know he mentioned it when we were drafting him, but he is six three two fifteen. Weird thing was he didn't look 213 watching him on film. He, to me, he looked like a – now, I'm only going to say a poor man's A.J. Brown just because I don't know what his his track record is. That's who he weirdly reminds me of is someone they were just throwing the ball up to, but he was able to go up and get it, and he was still out running the cornerbacks off, off to his route. So he does interest me more now that I watched him. So I good value pick there for – the frame and the way he plays. Yeah, I like Alec Pierce a lot in terms of the upside available. Again, it's to your point, Sam, it's if you're looking for immediate impact, it's probably a reach because there's still things he's got to work on. He's a second, third round pick, more than likely. But the athletic upside is there and it's not just athleticism, right? Like he has certain skill sets that you do want in a receiver, the ability to high point the ball, stretch the field laterally, the soft hands ability to catch, you know, there's nothing looking at this one more time in here about him having any kind of drop issues. Looks like he's a prototypical X receiver, you know, that, that kind of guy with Sammy Watkins kind of speed, that low four, four type of, of X of speed. Now, Sammy, I think had probably more acceleration, but Maybe this guy has some of the traits you're looking for with a big X receiver target. 
All right, and last thing before we wrap things up, we've actually already hit, um, Sam, you had alluded to earlier, Kyrie Elam is your draft crush. Uh, is that correct? Yes. All right. So we heard his write-up. We heard one of my draft crushes write-up. Um, so, Jacob, we're going to lean into one of your draft crushes we didn't get to uh, have the chance to draft here and, and hear their write-up. I'm going to pull up Raylon Burks's write-up from Dane Brugler here. And size 6'2", 225, ran a 4'5", 40 at the combine, 33-inch uh, vertical, 10-foot, in, 10 2-inch broad jump, uh, ran a short show of 4.4 at his pro day, not the combine, 3-cone at the combine of 7.28, and 12 reps on the bench at his pro day. Strengths, large, sturdy frame with body thickness and fluidity, dangerous with the ball in his hands thanks to his acceleration, vision, and competitiveness, above average body control and ball skills to make impressive adjustments to passes, out rebounds opponents and defenders on his on his hip. Don't disrupt his concentration uh, and draws defensive penalties thanks to his physicality and ability to play through contact. Weaknesses helped by high volume of screens and quick targets. 45 of 66 catches in 2021 came within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Novice level route runner needs to see improved urgency with route setup and tempo. Didn't face much press coverage in college and was helped by pre-snap motion. His grade after all that, first round, number 21 overall. So you'd probably be fighting someone like the Packers to go get Traylon Burks to grab that draft crush, Jacob. Uh, hearing that, it kind of scared me a little bit of the where the catches were at. It is interesting to hear because that was, you know, one of my complaints about McCole Hardman was they have to manufacture touches for him near the line of scrimmage. So that, it almost sounds to me like that is somebody they might try to avoid, honestly. Yeah, it's a big physical playmaker who's going to get a lot of touches if you set him up right. It's kind of how I feel. Sam, any, any final thoughts on what we heard out of Burks? Is that someone you'd want to pursue or maybe look in a different direction and maybe he falls to you? I think if he fell, you're more comfortable taking him. I don't want to trade up to get him. Um, I do have one more follow-up to you guys, and I agree with you, Sam. At this point, I'm like, I don't want to trade up for him. And it was Sir and Petro bringing it up. It was like, when did the Chiefs trading up really ever benefit them all that much? They, I didn't finish the podcast, but did, could you guys think of anybody off the top of your head where they traded up and it was a great move for them? You know, I I was trying to like run other than Patrick Mahomes. That was what they said. Sorry to not preface that one. Again, yeah, the, the podcast okay. is no Mahomes, so you're excused <laughs> for forgetting about him. Right, right. I know you like think about who are the best guys of all time just in Chiefs history. You almost go like position by position to try to figure out how were they acquired and I don't know. I think the things that have worked out for them are more when they've traded back like a Chris Jones, you know, getting that guy who's an elite pass rusher in the second round. Man, I, I can't even think of many times they've traded back. No, and they haven't traded back in the Brett Beach era. The only times he's traded up as a general manager was to get either McCole Hardman, who's a fine player, maybe not worth the draft capital it took to get him, or Breland Speaks, who wasn't worth drafting. So... <laughs> 
it's like well yeah they've turned it up a lot and it hasn't worked the examples they were bringing up were like ryan sims and oh, older of players but then it did get me thinking because i was like yeah who who have they traded up for besides patrick mahomes that really worked out and it made me believe more and more <laughs> of like i don't want to trade up to go get anybody and i know i spent 20 minutes saying trade up to 19 if you have a just dynamite receiver you believe in but even myself there's no one at this point i'm like go up and get this guy at 19 i think for me it's more just the idea of if you're at 19 you probably get the selection of the receiver that you like from a group of three guys but it's almost just like you might want to stay all right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us and uh, appreciate you indulging me and my my vices. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The actual NFL draft is going to be crazy. The Chiefs have never had this many picks in the Brett Beach era, so who knows what's going to happen. Move up, move down, all kinds of crazy possibilities, and we are drawing ever closer. So until next time, y'all stay safe out there. We will talk to you next week.